Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into the Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Melissa Hyak and joining me on the line today is Dr. Michael McDonald, Senior Consultant Cardiologist from Harley Street Heart and Vascular Centre. Hello, Doctor. Hi, Melissa. Hello. I love doing this uh, segment because I get free consultation with uh, a lot of eminent <laughs> medical professionals. You know, I can save whatever money from <laughs> consultations as much as I can. Okay, oh, let's, <laughs> let's get straight to the point, right? Um, okay, there's that 70-30 rule, right? And, mm. and people are saying that exercise actually, uh, which, you know, uh, for significant weight loss, takes up maybe only 30%, right? So how true is that? Because I'm using that as an excuse to not exercise. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's pretty true. And it's, when it comes down to, to weight loss, people really need to focus on nutrition. And I think part of it is because it's to do with the, the ease of um, caloric, changing caloric expenditure. So a simple example is you can eat a, a donut. It's about 400 calories. It takes you about 10 seconds to inhale a donut. But if you want to exercise off 400 calories, it's going to take you about an hour. The, maybe an hour, maybe a bit less at the gym. So the simplest thing to do and the quickest thing to do is just to to not eat the donut. So the, it's about it probably is about eighty percent nutrition when you're trying to lose weight. And actually, the, the, one of the other issues with weight with um, exercise is that when you start exercising, I'm sure everyone's noticed this, is that your appetite goes up. And they've estimated that roughly when you start exercising, even just half an hour a day, your appetite will increase by about three hundred calories that day. So there's a couple of reasons why ex- exercise is not the it's not the easiest way to lose weight. It's important that everyone exercises just purely from a health benefits, but from it needs to be the focus on nutrition. You know what? There's a Chinese saying called "timber fit for pillars should not be used for chopsticks." The reason I'm quoting that is because <laughs> I'm talking to a cardiologist about losing weight. Yeah. Why? Because well, I mean, because weight. And weight gain leads to lots of diseases which um, end, end up coming to my clinic. So um, if you're overweight and sedentary, you end up with the high risk of diabetes, high risk, high risk of high blood pressure, which all these things together lead to coronary artery disease. So a lot of our patients that we see in clinic as cardiologists are overweight. And one of the you can reverse a lot of these conditions by actually tackling the underlying problem of obesity. Mm. So obesity, would you say, is, is uh, the largest uh, contributing factor to heart disease? It's, it's, a, it's a major factor. Um, it's not the only factor, and there's obviously multiple risk factors, the main ones being blood pressure and cholesterol, which both can be influenced by obesity, mm. um, and also sedentary, inactive lifestyle, which a lot of us lead these days due to mm. you know, working from home. That in itself is also mm-hmm. a risk factor. But if you're obese, then that is also increases your chances of being sedentary as well. Mm. So it's definitely linked to the underlying problems mm. of coronary disease. Yes, but I, I, that is only one correlation, because I understand that, um, you know, I've known of at least... Uh, unfortunately among my own circle at least one or two people who you know used to exercise a lot uh, very well um, but they contracted um, you know heart illnesses right so mm. it sounds to me I, I don't know if those are exceptions or is it possible for gym bunnies as well to develop high cholesterol and, and high blood pressure despite oh, you know having a regular exercise regime yeah definitely and actually the, one of the issues you see is that people that exercise a lot and consider themselves very fit often think that they can't get high blood pressure and can't get high cholesterol, but it's, it's not true. And cholesterol and blood pressure have a very large genetic basis as well. 
And there was a study done, I think it was just done last year, when they looked at several hundred endurance, middle-aged endurance athletes. So it's guys in their 40s and 50s, did a lot of running, considered themselves, you know, you know good, healthy um, specimens. And about, I think, 25 to 40% of them had high blood pressure. And about, I think, a similar amount, or roughly 25% of them also had coronary artery disease. And it was asymptomatic. So exercise, although it does give you some protection from high blood pressure and high cholesterol and coronary disease, it doesn't completely protect you. And you, you cannot um, escape your genes, unfortunately. Mm, mm. So it sounds like both diet and exercise are not um, guaranteed. So what's the point? Never a guarantee. <laughs> then what's the point <laughs> of depriving yourself, you know, of you know what you think might be great food? Like I, I have a penchant for carbohydrates and fried stuff, anything, mm. right? And and you know, exercise can be a torture for me. So so if there's no guarantee, then you know, why don't I just kind of sit back and enjoy life? There's never, there's never any guarantees. But if you eat correctly, and I'm not saying 100 percent of the time, but 80 percent of the time, if you put quality food into your mouth and don't eat processed foods, you can actually prevent disease in 30, 40 years' time. You can prevent um, obesity, hypertension, cholesterol, um, high cholesterolemia. You can prevent Alzheimer's disease. Essentially, there's, another way to look at it is food is essentially medicine, and your, what you put into your body has an effect. And if you put a, a lot of rubbish into your body, it will lead to disease further down the line. And one of the commonest diseases here in, in Singapore is diabetes. And the diabetes has increased massively over the last 20 years. And a, a large part of that is to do with the food intake. We've shifted from maybe 50 years ago to a largely whole foods diet mm -hmm. to um, a largely you know, processed food, quick junk food diet mm -hmm. with um, more mm -hmm. sedentary. And that's led to all these diseases. So making the right corrections to your diet and exercising does actually make a big change to your health in the long term. Mm. I know we've been focusing a lot more on diet uh, in this conversation, mm -hmm. but um, I, I believe that we should try and also highlight you know, the, the benefits of exercise when it comes to at least inflammation, uh, when it comes to stress levels and, and how they have um, an implication right, for cardiovascular conditions. Because, you know, people like me, if our listeners are anything like me, will just grasp at any excuse to not exercise. <laughs> yeah. So let's I mean, emphasize the goodness of exercise. Exercise, I mean, it's so important, right? If you just forget about exercise for weight loss, which is a completely separate issue. Exercise by itself, regardless of if you lose weight or not, is one of the strongest predictors of longevity. So when you start exercising, you extend your lifespan and you prevent diseases like it's not just heart disease, it is Alzheimer's disease, it's cancer. Exercise prevents all these things. It's more powerful than any medication that we can give you to prevent disease. And you actually don't need to start by going and doing two hours in the gym and running marathons. Mm. If you're sedentary, just start with 20 minutes of walking a day and then gradually build things up. Um, and it will protect you in the future. I mean, maybe it'll not only protect you in the future, you'll feel better and it'll deal with your stress and it'll improve your, your kind of happiness levels. Mm. But, um, sorry, doctor, I know you say that, you know, exercise, regardless of whether or not you lose weight, you know, is important to incorporate into your routine. But yeah. you know what? I, I tune into this, you know, conversation to learn how to lose weight <laughs> healthily. <laughs> so, so give us some tips. Um, yeah, because a survey, I found a survey uh, that said that nearly uh, four in 10 Singaporeans reported gaining weight since the pandemic. And we're looking mm -hmm. at something like almost six kilograms on average. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a big problem. It's the kind of COVID kilos. And um, 
in terms of how you lose weight, the first thing is, is don't listen to your friends. The fact is, is that one diet that works for somebody might not work for you. And you actually have to find the, the type of caloric restriction that's going to work for you. Some, some people swear by doing keto and going very low carb and they love it and it works really well for them. Other people can calorically restrict and do kind of a Weight Watchers approach. Other people maybe want to try meal replacement shakes. The important thing is, is you do have to have some form of calorie restriction. And the, there are certain groups of people where low carb works. So if you are pre-diabetic or heading into kind of diabetic territory, then reducing your carbohydrate intake makes it a little bit easier to lose weight mm. um, because basically a large part of your problem with diabetes and pre-diabetes is that you're intolerant to carbohydrates and you're not processing them properly. So if you restrict the carbohydrates, you'll, you'll, you'll make it a little bit easier to lose weight. And there's no, there's no easy way. There are medications that people can use these days that are very safe and effective at helping people with weight loss, but they always need to be, to be, um, to be utilized in combination with caloric restriction and plus some exercise. Mm. But the, I guess it's, it's finding the thing that works for you and getting help. And then trying also accountability is very important. If you can find someone to work with you, who can provide accountability, it makes it far more likely that you'll be successful in achieving your goals. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, keto earlier, actually, because um, that's been the rage uh, now yeah. for weight management. And I think in case um, some listeners are not, not clear on what keto is, it's uh, cutting out on your carbohydrate intake to something like, is it 50 grams a day? Yeah, sometimes less than 20 grams to initiate ketosis. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's when your body burns um, fat instead of uh, you know sugar sugar in your body, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, I'm wondering about how sustainable this diet could be in terms of health, right? Because earlier, I think decades ago, with Atkins was the rage, and Atkins was a sort of similar sort of uh, uh, principles as, yeah. as keto. And then we discovered that the the guy who the founder of Atkins, I can't remember his name exactly, but you know it was Atkins as a family name, and he died of heart disease you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> later on so what's your view on keto yeah so keto is it works for some people some people are able to to go into keto and they feel fantastic there are a lot of studies that have been done that have looked at inflammation and it lowers inflammation and some people it can be very successful for weight loss there's also studies that have looked at it in uh, things like cancer and metabolism we're seeing now that keto and low carb is an effective weight loss for certain diabetics now not i'm not saying that all diabetes say type 2 diabetics type 2 diabetics shouldn't go on to keto unless they actually speak to their doctor um, mm. but it can be useful to reduce carbohydrate intake in people with pre-diabetes diabetes mm. and obesity um, it, the thing is though it doesn't work for everybody some people don't tolerate it some people get constipation and mm. from the cardiac disease point of view there are a group of people that when you put them on a very high fat diet they get very high cholesterols mm. and Keto proponents will tell you that doesn't matter. It's not, it's not cholesterol that causes atherosclerosis. But the fact is, we don't know. There's been no long-term studies on keto diets that have actually looked at cardiovascular disease risk. So if you go on to keto and have a very high cholesterol, you may be at increased risk of cardiovascular disease. No one can tell you if you are or if mm. you aren't. Mm. What my view on keto is, if it works for you and you're utilizing it for weight loss or other reasons and it's working, then go for it. But consider getting your cholesterol checked while you're doing it because some people get quite high cholesterols with it. Mm-hmm. So in terms of long-term health implications, it sounds like it does depend also a fair amount on, on individuals. 
Yeah, definitely. Right? It's all individualized. Nothing, nothing works for everybody. Mm, except for healthy diet. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, so, but then when we talk about people from uh, in in certain age groups, right? Um, you know, shedding the weight, and I'm talking about myself again as well. You know, shedding weight is a lot tougher, even mm. if you try to follow a healthy-ish uh, diet, uh, even though you try to exercise, you know, uh, regularly, uh, but you just don't see the the scales moving. So, people, for example, in their fifties or entering their fifties, right? So, what would you um, say to these people, That's okay, so, men and women? So, when mi- women hit menopause. menopause they do have a slowdown in their metabolic rate. And in fact, as we all get older, even men and women, we all, we all have a slower metabolic rate. There are certain things that you can do. The first thing I would suggest is that you can consider um, getting your resting metabolic rate checked. That's something that can actually be done in a lab and they will analyze and work out how much calories you actually burn at rest. And from there, you can actually then see, actually, my metabolic rate is only 1,400 at rest. And you can actually start to work out um, how many calories you need to take in per day. The commonest problem when people don't lose weight is that they're not, and they're counting calories, is that they're not accurately quantifying calories. The majority of people have get it wrong by about 50 to 80% when they attempt to estimate how many calories they've taken in. So it, it's worth getting a more accurate look at your caloric mm-hmm. intake, a more accurate look at your caloric expenditure, and you can, I mean, if, you, if weight is a problem and it's causing issues like diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood mm, pressure, mm. then you can utilize medications now to help you with weight loss. Mm. It makes it much easier. The, the medications are safe and they help suppress um, your appetite and make you feel full. So they make it much easier to lose weight. And even these medicines can be used long term now for, to help people keep their weight off, if particularly if weight is, got, is causing health issues. Mm-hmm. And a way to boost your resting metabolic rate, which would be the amount of calories your body or energy your body burns uh, when you're not really doing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you boost that? Exercise? Um, so, yeah, exercise, basically. <laughs> so okay. the, the, the fact is, is that your basal metabolic rate can never really go below 1,200 calories a day. So if you calorically restrict someone to less than 1,000 calories, properly calorically restrict them, they will lose weight. You cannot fail to lose weight. There's been clinical trials done now in diabetics where they've taken them and put them on 600-calorie-a-day diets. And it's difficult to stay on 600 calories a day. You're hungry, but you will lose weight in the long term and lose weight very quickly on a very calorically restricted diet. But the problem is most people that go really low calorie, at the weekend they have a little bit of extra pizza and they have some Mm. alcohol and that's that just balances out the caloric restriction during the week. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, what I was up to over the weekend. Okay, but maybe just before we go very quickly, I think it's hard for people sometimes to, to um, you know, feel, uh, to, to understand what 600 calories might equate. I don't know how long you've been in Singapore, but can you give like one or two examples just to give people an idea? Okay, so 600 calories is not a lot. I mean, that's really, really, <laughs> that's less than a Big Mac, I think. Okay. I think so if, you have, if you have if you have if you have chow at a hawker centre, it's probably about fifteen hundred calories. Oh wow! So <laughs> half a plate? No, not even half a plate. Half so a plate less less than half a plate of fried kway teow. Okay. Uh, All right. I'll keep that in mind as I head off later on to tapao my dinner. <laughs> Dr. Michael McDonald, thank you so much uh, for speaking with us and so patiently explaining some actually rather basic concepts to someone like me. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Melissa. 
Thank you very much, Dr. McDonald. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye. We've been speaking with Dr. Michael McDonald, Senior Consultant Cardiologist from Harley Street Heart and Vascular Centre. I'm Melissa here for the Workday Afternoon, and you are with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.